Take your Bibles, join me in John chapter 14 as we continue our series through the Gospel according to John. We will once again this week begin by reading verses 1 through 11. Sorry, I hit the off switch. Good night. God bless you, sister. Uh, What's that? 14. John chapter 14 this morning. We'll begin by reading verses 1 through 11. I ain't surprised you couldn't hear after that, brother. John chapter 14. Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Last week we considered the different personalities of Peter, Thomas, and Philip. They are now on the night of the betrayal of our Lord. After three and a half years, they still don't understand what is about to take place. Even though Jesus had taught them consistently and had made it clear to them, but we noticed how Jesus just kept teaching them. He kept preaching to them. He didn't give up. He didn't go out and get another batch of disciples. And we considered how many share the similarities of those three men, whether it's zeal like Peter and zeal without knowledge, that is, or doubts like Thomas or a lack of faith like Philip. But aren't you glad this morning God didn't give up on you? And the main challenge last week was just to stay with it. Just keep at it. Keep witnessing. Keep working with others. Don't give up no matter how often you have to repeat yourself, no matter how many times you have to answer the same questions, no matter how long they don't get it, don't give up. You never know when the light bulb's going to come on and God says, now's the time to reap. We just don't know. So just stay faithful in ministering to others. Uh, For today, as we look at this thought today, it's going to be difficult not to repeat some of what's been said over the last couple weeks, but just stay with me. Don't give up. (laughs) All right. Jesus had just told his disciples that he was going to prepare a place for them. And if he would go and prepare a place for them, that he would come again and receive them unto himself. And then in verse 4, Jesus says, And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. But in verse 5, Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, how can we 
know the way. And it's interesting how Jesus just told them all that you know. But Thomas immediately says, no, we don't. Jesus just said that he was going to his father's house. Did they not understand that God was his father? And therefore, his father's house is in the third heaven. And we know the way he was going. It was going to be by the way of the cross. But remember, they had an earthly kingdom in mind. They had it said in their heads that Israel was going to return to the great kingdom days of David. And in their mind, it made no sense that their king would die. The only crown they ever saw him receive was a crown of thorns. Well, clearly they didn't understand it all, and I don't want to cover it too much in depth because we've seen this thought over and over again through our study through John. But they are setting their affections on the earth, not on things above. And that's the danger in the Christian life. You've got to keep your affections set on things above. When you get your affections set on things of the earth, then you start to get a slanted view of what the Bible teaches. And so keep your affections set on things above. Now, I want you to understand, as, as these men were not getting it, they weren't understanding, I'm not coming down on these men, okay? Um, that would have been a very difficult time to live in theologically. Things were changing, Jesus comes on the scene, and, and I'm not trying to say that they were, they were bad somehow. I'm not sure you and I would have done any better, to be honest with you. <laughs> Amen. And uh, we just happen to have the luxury of having the completed Word of God. We're able to draw, draw from it from Genesis to Revelation, and we're able to study it. And you've got to remember back then, they didn't even have, you know, everybody wasn't carrying around the Old Testament. They had scrolls. They were located uh, at places probably like synagogues and things like that. And so it wasn't like you walked around with the Word of God, but we have that privilege. Amen. And so we can study it. We can understand where this is going. We often hear preachers say something like, I know who wins. I've read the end of the book. And that's true. Amen. But they didn't have an end of the book. Amen. They didn't really understand all that was taking place. And, and yet they're watching all this unfold and Jesus is telling them, uh, I'm going to suffer and die. They're not getting it. Excuse me. <coughs> Amen. Did that help? Did I cover that or no? <clears throat> Jesus, He answers Thomas's admission of ignorance with, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. If ye had known Me, you should have known My Father also. And from henceforth ye know Him and have seen Him. Jesus was going to His Father's house to prepare a place for them. But Jesus says, you can't get there without Me. Amen. You can't get to where I'm going without Me. Therefore, the way that you are seeking, Thomas, it's Me. I am the way. Because I'm the way you get to the Father. But let not your heart be troubled. If, if you know me, then you know my Father. John the Baptist came on the scene preaching, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he was prophesied by Isaiah to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. 
John the Baptist preaching symbolically prepared the landscape for the arrival of the Messiah. The valleys would be filled, the mountains would be brought low, the crooked would be made straight, and the rough places would be smoothed out, and the way of the king was being prepared. But even then, John the Baptist was showing the path to the cross. If you remember on the day, John is there at the Jordan River and he's baptizing and he looks up and on the hillside he sees Jesus coming down unto him and he says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He was prophesying even then and letting the people know that the way that his ministry was going to go would be the way of the cross. The perfect Lamb of God would have to be slain. His precious blood would have to be shed in order for our sins to be forgiven. In order for the sin of the world to be taken away, there would have to be bloodshed. We see, uh, when Isaiah foretold of the Messiah in Isaiah 35, verses 5-8, through 8, it says this, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert, and the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, in the habitation of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes, and listen now, and an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. Jesus' earthly work included healing the blind, the deaf, the mute. He healed the handicapped and the diseased, and we know He also cast out demons. But the way which was opened up, the way of holiness, was by the way of the cross. And now at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, the end of His earthly life, He tells His disciples, I am the way. And it will only be through Christ that you can get to the Father. Now many people today have a problem with that. You know, you Christians are so narrow-minded. How dare you say there's only one way? Well, we didn't say it. Jesus said it. Jesus Christ Himself said, I am the way. Our minds all work differently, but I'll tell you how mine works. I think it is far more merciful... To give us one option. There's no guessing. There's no hoping. There's no need for me to try and figure it out. There's one way. People say, well, that's not loving and that's not very fair. But I say, how much simpler can you get? I say God is very kind to mankind to make it so clear. All we have to do is accept God's ways. People say, well, I think a loving God should be accepting of all faiths. I say, a God who gives us only one way and then makes that way possible by offering Himself is as loving as you can get. We don't have to hope we're good enough. We don't have to hope we're on the right path. We're not good enough. He's the only way. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way 
that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And I sure am thankful this morning that it's a narrow way. The directions are so simple to follow. In Acts 4.12 it says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby ye must be saved. Any other way or teaching that goes outside of Christ alone for salvation, it's the broad way, and it's the way that leads to destruction. There is no other way to God. And I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is not only the only way to God for salvation, He's the only way to God in prayer. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 19-22, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You can't even pray to God without going through Christ. That's what the Bible says. You can't go through the church. Amen. You don't have to come to me in a confessional booth. You don't have to offer your prayers through some so-called saint of yesteryear. But based on the blood of Jesus Christ, we can have confidence, we can have boldness that we can go before His throne and we can go on the merits of Christ and He will hear us because we're going through Christ. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, one mediator, or one go-between, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And so when Jesus said, No man cometh unto the Father but by me, it's true in salvation, but it's true in your Christian life when you are in supplication. Jesus is the way. But He's also the truth. Later in John 17.17, 17, Jesus will pray to God and he'll, he'll say, Sanctify them through Thy truth, Thy word. Is truth. And remember how the Gospel of John opens up. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word, therefore, Jesus is truth. And because the Word was God and God is truth, God cannot lie. So when Jesus says He's the way, that's the truth. Anybody confused? But Jesus goes on to say that He's the life. Without Christ this morning, you're dead. Without Christ, your spirit has not been quickened, has not been made alive. Without Christ, you are still dead in your trespasses and sins. But in Christ, we've been made alive. We've been made a new creature. We've been born again. In John chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, In Him was life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, it says that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, when Jesus recites verses 6 and 7, He's making the point that He and the Father are one. Which in turn, it causes Philip to say, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Look again at Jesus' response in verses 9-11. through 11. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? 
He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am the Father, or excuse me, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Jesus is trying, Jesus is continuing to communicate to them that he and the Father are one. And I've got to just take a minute this morning to tell you that's the key doctrine of the Bible. That Jesus was God in the flesh. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Him, Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If Jesus was not God, then we have gathered together in vain. If Jesus was not God, then we sing our songs in vain. If Jesus was not God, then there is no way to God. If Jesus was not God, then He's still in the tomb. And the Apostle Paul wrote, If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we are of all men most miserable. And many really struggle with this truth that Jesus could be God in the flesh. But it's what makes for true Christianity. Those who don't believe this truth but call themselves Christians are liars, whether they admit it or not. The Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. I'm not being ugly, I'm just trying to help. Without the Christ of the Bible, you don't have it. 1 Timothy 3.16 says this, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God in the flesh. Justified in the Spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world and received up in the glory. Matthew one twenty three says, Behold, a virgin shall, can, uh, shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is God with us. Without faith, listen now, Without faith, you're going to wrestle the doctrine of Christ being God. You'll wrestle the doctrine of the triune God. That there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And yet they're all one. 1 John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. You see, all three are equally God and all three are one, but all three are manifested differently. Even with faith, you may have difficulty explaining it. You ever had somebody tell, tell you, well, I just don't know about this whole Trinity thing. Well, let me explain it to you. It can still be hard to explain, but God hasn't asked us to explain it. He's asked us to believe it. And we may not comprehend it fully, but we can understand that it is so. I always fall back to the example that Eric McCarty gave years ago when he said, I'm a father to my children, I'm a husband to my wife, and I'm a son to my parents. It's one person manifested three different ways. The Trinity. And Jesus asked Philip, do you believe that? Do you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? And to believe means you place your faith and trust in that. 
Now, at the end of verse 10, Jesus says, But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. And so again, Jesus is making it clear that the Father and Son are one. But it interests me that Jesus says, He, the Father, doeth the works. Because at the end of verse 11, Jesus says, Or else believe me for the very works sake. Peter said in Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus says, believe my works because it is God who does the work uh, in me, through me. If you've seen the works of Christ, then you've seen the works of God. This is why Satan seeks to blind the mind, continue to blind the mind of the lost. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, Satan doesn't want you to see Christ upon the cross making the way for sinners. Because if you see that by faith in your mind's eye, then you see God. You see the God of all creation dying in your place to bring you salvation, to bring you unto Himself. I hope I'm not muddying the waters here. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. This is a great truth. Jesus was God. God was in Christ. Here's the bottom line. Christ is the way. Christ is the way to the Father. Christ made the way. And Christ was God. And without that truth this morning, there is no way. There be no life. There be no truth. Without this truth, the way of the cross would not lead home. But it is truth. You say, well, how do you know? Because God the Spirit lives in me. You may wonder how I know that. (laughs) I like to say this, man. If if something as big as God, if He takes up residence in your heart, you're going to know it. Well, preacher, it sounds like you might feel like you're saved. You better believe I do. I'm not telling you to trust your feelings because there's times I don't feel like it. But I'm telling you, When God moves in, you know it. He's the way. And now, I know He's the way. I know He's the truth. I know He's my life. And I know that the way of the cross leads home. And I'm glad this morning that I'm on the narrow way. Well, aren't you glad that Christ made the way? Do you have faith in Christ this morning? Do you have faith that Christ is God? Do you? If you don't, you don't have salvation. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you know Him this morning as your way, your truth, and your life? John 10, 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them 
out of my hand. If you don't have the assurance this morning of Christ as your Savior, God wants you to have that assurance. That's why He died. He doesn't want you going through life hoping that you're saved, wondering if you're saved. I hope I'm on the right path. I hope this is the way. He wants you to know. And if you don't have that assurance, I'm going to ask you this morning to get it right. Let's pray.